0: Welcome back to Incremental, the continuous improvement podcast. This is our practice edition where we go over improvements we made throughout the week and tie them back to lean principles. My name is Uriel Eisen from Austere Manufacturing.
1: And I'm Devin Badoni from Lycan Precision. we got a quote. The brain of man is programmed to quickly remove doubt by reaching some decision. Charlie Munger on Doubt Avoidance in Same as Ever by Morgan Hussle. Household, 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 hey, household. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Sort of tying back into last last episode's topic of uh,
0: yeah that we like want to jump to conclusions quickly without yeah.
1: actually going and seeing.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting um, point because I hadn't really thought about like maybe <clears throat> why do we want to. Uh jump to conclusions and it's like very fundamentally on a evolution like from an evolution perspective quite useful and so like it is an uphill battle Uh to go against like you know millions of years of evolution right in how you're thinking um and I think like Kahneman covers a lot of this in like thinking fast and slow Mm, I have not read that I've read I forget if I finished it or part of it um yeah, it, it's basically like the way we think is very useful and also very flawed. Uh huh. But the way it's useful is not in every way, and so it's useful. It, it's good to <laughs> differentiate when that is go- a good way of thinking and when mm. other ways of thinking are much better in terms of results. But we're like it's physically sometimes like we're 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 very hardwired to do it a particular way.
1: Yeah, I've always found it interesting to like. <coughs> research on like and we've talked about this i think briefly on the podcast like how much our emotions play into our ability to make decisions yeah in ways that we don't really account for or right. aren't really or aware of <laughs> yeah um there's that classic example of a guy who had a brain injury and effectively stopped having the ability to experience emotions and, huh. and
0: oh yeah and Think it was, radio I think it was on a radio lab. Yeah. Um, and they compared it to like Spock of like perfect decision making. Well, but then he couldn't make any decisions. He couldn't instead. make
1: any decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He would analyze and analyze and analyze. And many things like we have discovered, right? Like you can't just analyze and come to some conclusion. Right. You have to like go and see and like have an experience. And um, the example
0: they gave was picking what pen to use to write something down and I think picking and out cereal figure and figure it out because yeah. he didn't have an emotional, like that's my favorite pen. I'll use that one. And yeah. Like, and well, like, which one would be better?
1: Yeah. I think the example I remember is like being in a grocery store trying to pick out which cereal Uh huh. and like, it just became this soup of like comparing like nutrition facts <laughs> and like, you know, and, and price. And <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it it was kind of sad. I think his life kind of fell apart because he, he sort of ceased to be able to function. And so your point here is that Spock is not realistic. Spock is not realistic. (laughs) Um, No, but that tying into this, I think like this, like we're programmed to quickly remove doubt by reaching some decision. I think like our, our emotions play a big role in our, in our like our capability and inclination to like come to a conclusion quickly. A hundred percent.
0: And I think um, it's very interesting thinking about how to problem solve better that like this is the sort of 80% planning 20% action i think the way that sounds is not really the way it i think our definition of what counts as planning versus action are just <laughs> sort of different but also like completely missing the part of like why would you try to do anything if you don't understand the problem uh-huh and Most of us don't understand any problem we're actually busily trying to solve. Instead, we're just like, oh, well, let me do something else that I think will be a good next step. Uh Because, yeah, it it feels uncomfortable to just, like, have, yeah, a lot of doubt. Um,
1: Yeah, it's supremely uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) But it's worth, yeah, like you're sort of, I think it's worth making that explicit of, like, okay, let's just be cognizant of that in, in solving problems.
1: I think also like it it, following the five whys thing, not the traditional five whys, but the recent
0: five questions, five questions. Yeah.
1: um, That allows you to sort of like get back to a place of some comfort so that you true. So you can like work on one thing at once instead of being completely overwhelmed
0: by, Right. An array of unknowns. It's sort of, you are recognizing that you don't understand, but instead of just going like, I don't know. And so I'll do nothing. It's saying, okay, what very small thing can you do today to disassemble some of that larger unknowing? Yeah. Instead of, I think the mistake I make, everyone makes often is kind of skip, is losing the awareness that we actually don't know. And that we're still testing a hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. But we now have removed doubt about what we'll do next in our PDCA loop. But we have not removed doubt about whether that's an effective method, right? Yeah. And that's a good distinction to make. Yeah.
1: And I think it can just, like, get you to a place of... Get you out of the emotional overwhelm so you can actually, like, focus on a problem.
0: Yeah. Instead of Stay tuned. We'll find... (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) 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 This week has been... Quite overwhelming. A little whack a mole. Yeah, something,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, on that note. <laughs> yeah, talk about some improvements. Jump into some stuff we did. Yeah. Um, I had a very exciting one. Yeah. It's not exact. Well, it is an improvement. Um, I needed big. Oh, speaking of go and see, so I'll, I'll take you guys on the whole journey here. Yeah. Um, I've been. I, I jumped right to um, solving problems right to you know right to the solutions i sent you a picture last week of a way of stocking stack uh, (laughs) stacking (laughs) stock in the cnc to get more parts the belt is bigger blocks so i need i wanted i didn't want short run times on our automation and so i was like okay perfect time to tackle stacking blocks yeah and then i was Scheming and scheming about how to stack Them keep them from sticking together with Coolant or I could do like a Pez dispenser or on and on Uh And then I was like I wonder what Runtime I would get if I just put them in And just made the tray as big as possible Yeah so then I went and measured the machine And there's a lot of space In there (laughs) if you just max it out Uh huh and so I have a Three hour runtime now part of That is because my cycle time is not Like it's uh, it's not a super Optimized part yet yeah um, But the point being, I did it exactly the same in terms of just using normal trays stacked one deep. Just rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat, more or less. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so once I went and saw <laughs> at the CNC, I just like jogged it to all of its max travels in different oh, directions. Yeah. And I was like, that's a lot of space. And then I laid it out on the computer to figure out how many parts I could actually fit. Uh-huh. And then in making the trays, I was out of the shunk I bought a bunch of chunk stuff on eBay, yeah. zero point systems, yeah. and they came with pallets.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I've used all those pallets yep. for the different parts. So then I was like, okay, um, I guess I'll machine some new pallets. That's going to be time consuming. I'm not really set up to do big plate work. I guess I can just hold it in the vice. Uh-huh. I, it was just like, yeah, yeah one okay. of those things. One of those things. Like, yeah. um, and so I decided I would just make them out of PVC, foam, like trim. Uh huh. Um, and in doing that, so then, I, oh, so the shunk pallets are like $1,000 each. <laughs> so I was like, okay, not going to do that. Then I found a guy on eBay. Wow. But I was kind of also like, okay, but the belt is selling very well. And so $1,000, maybe I should just like eat uh-huh. that cost and keep moving, right? Like just sure. get this shipped. Um, found a guy on eBay who makes essentially the same thing for like $250. bucks. uh huh you know, maybe they're not to the same precision, but fine. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I ended up making them out of PVC trim from Home Depot, which is seven and a quarter inches by near three quarters of an inch by 12 feet for $50. So, in terms of materials, and the PVC holds up very well in the coolant. Okay. Um, and it's easily machined, and you can put screws in it. It's a kind of a very nice product. Interesting. Um, also, if you crash the CNC into it, it breaks, which is really nice also. Um, Don't ask how you know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I did that and then I had some extra pull studs that are compatible. So I used those on the first set, uh, the pull studs that go into the zero point system. So yep. I used those. And then I had previously um, 3D printed some pull studs uh to cover they sell oh. these for like 250 bucks so like when you pull a the out, so you're yeah so you plug the hole so i so i th- had 3d printed some previously to do that and it works flawlessly so then i was like i wonder if i could just 3d print the pull studs <laughs> and the other issue that i was trying to solve is that the threads don't the, the th- threading into um the pvc, the PVC doesn't yeah. hold very well and so like one set of threads stripped so I like super glued that one in, uh. which is how it's running now. So it does work, <laughs> um, but I don't think it will be a long term play. Yeah. And so then I was thinking like threaded insert, I could machine something and uh, screw it off. Yeah, but yeah. then I just modeled a big flange on oh. the pole stud with a screw pattern in it, 3D printed that, and then my bores. I just like op one of making these pallets was just make that hole. make a big five. It's like a seventy five millimeter diameter shallow bore. Yeah screwed some of those in so it's like and the pull studs are like a hundred bucks from shunk from shunk so this instead is uh like five bucks from 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 bamboo bamboo <laughs> <laughs> no it is like twelve hundred dollars from bamboo <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you amortize that over a bunch of projects um yeah so that was a, and it's
1: running and it works great and yeah that's so. amazing i mean obviously this wouldn't probably work in cutting
0: conditions but no also but you never know yeah it might i probably wouldn't yeah maybe once choose it yeah yeah Yeah. um so anyway so that was a big win it was cheap it was fast um i think we're gonna do it oh and the biggest not the biggest part another additional factor that i hadn't considered these pallets which are way bigger are super light super super light so as the operator it's really a lot nicer interesting yeah you're not like bending over with a heavy pallet you're bending over with a light pallet
1: huh is this completely altering what machine you're going to get next then
0: um no uh but it did make me think harder like it's making me lean toward the bigger machine Mm. because of how easy it is to get long run times with the big table yeah and I'm just like in, that would immediately be useful to me and immediately increase capacity by more than just the additional travels because right it, it's like at most people's CNCs only run like what twenty percent of the time right like two thirds is at night and then you have weekends oh, yeah. yeah yeah so I could get a lot more runtime just by running more hours into the night so it's a lot more like two machines or three machines yeah
1: although I have to say having listen to you just explain that like yeah definitely just completely rinsing and repeating the whole setup yeah sounds kind of appealing oh
0: (laughs) yeah this feels like a this an r machine instead of the s machines feels like a rinse and repeat except for solving some problems that i have with s machines Uh, like rocketing your table around all the time with your stock balanced on it is like kind of you're solving (laughs) kind of silly problems yeah and then also like showering them in coolant and chips yeah and then trying to keep them from sticking in the trays (laughs) ask me now um like i don't know so it feels a lot like rinse and repeat in that it's a brother machine i know the control yeah i'm sure getting it to pallet change isn't a big technical hurdle and so the
1: 650 wasn't a big compromise in runtime compared to what you can do on the 1000 the s1000
0: oh that's a good question my current s1000 setup is maximizing the space i already have on the table i could make a lot more space if i optimized for a big tray oh like i didn't even remove the vice from the table oh so now yeah actually in saying that if I just bumped it up a few inches, I could just cover the vise. I could leave it on the table and cover it.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: And actually, I constrained this one to still fit on the sheet pan racks. So it's only 13 inches wide. Oh. And I could go bigger. Yeah. But it's a three-hour runtime, and it's immediately... Just, yeah. It's great. Big win. <laughs> oh, and for $50, <laughs> I can make a bigger one. <laughs> right. So, Curious. yeah the other nice thing about that f- uh, pvc foam for this type of thing is you can machine it you can i mean it's basically i maxed out the uh the feed rate feed rates on the machine <laughs> <laughs> like i entered a number and the machine was like no <laughs> like, wait what uh, is this the limit yeah it just machines well and
1: interesting well i'll be curious to hear that how that conversation evolves yeah yeah huh but as discussed run times are not the only important thing
0: not the only important thing but at some point they become important yeah
1: huh um well on our uh big tool management switch up yeah uh well so like a month ago i think i designed a new tool tag because our other ones were breaking right they were taking a silly amount of time to print Mm -hmm. So I was just about to start printing more because we're going to have to renumber all of our holders. Um, I was like, this is going to take kind of forever. Uh, So I just designed a new one that uses less plastic. Nice. And cut the print time almost in half. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It still takes a while on the Prusa. Yeah. I'm kind of curious. Did you ever open up that
0: file? No.
1: I'm curious to see how much faster it would be on a bamboo.
0: You said you didn't want to (laughs) know. Yeah, (laughs) I sort of don't want to know (laughs) because I
1: can't buy one right now but um, yeah and so we've been printing those uh, all week we had a funny thing so like our new shop space um, has like one of those big propane heaters but, mm-hmm. but there's no propane tank ah. um, and I didn't really want to set up for propane because it's not what I wanted to do in the long run, long run. I want to have a heat pump so we can have air conditioning in the summer right um, anyway so we've been without heat uh, which, and it's been cold, which has not been the most enjoyable, but I came in the other morning and the Prusa had this weird error and it wouldn't Yes, work. I've had
0: this error. I <laughs> yeah. have a funny story about the it. The
1: min temp error. Yep. So I did a little bit of reading on, on Google and I was like, oh, it's like, if it's below a certain temperature, it won't trust its own temp gauges. Right. But uh, you
0: see the logic there, but it's pretty annoying. Yeah.
1: So there is a heater in the bathroom. <laughs> so we've been running the 3d printer in the bathroom that's very funny and uh it's very
0: nice to be in there uh yeah so my funny story about that is the way i would get it running in the morning is i'd put a heat lamp on it Uh uh-huh and then once it gets to it's not even that yeah it's like
1: 60 or 50 they say it's 60 but it seems like it works below that it does
0: yeah um the thing is 3d printed out of petg (laughs) The one time i walked away the heat lamp is no the 3d printer one time i oh. walked away <laughs> and forgot about it <laughs> and i came back and the print head was quite soft <laughs> um <laughs> uh but yeah when it cooled off it it was still right. worked um yeah <laughs> kind of whoops <laughs> yep uh so anyway
1: that was that one are you uh should i do some more are you are you uh Slicing that model I'm, while we talk I'm
0: slicing and dicing. Yeah. Hit, okay. it, hit us with another. So we Wait, what infill do you want? Or we uh, can just do standard PLA. We do pretty low. I think like
1: 20% or something Okay right now, but it's also mostly solid. What so how, how long does
0: it take on the Prusa? 28 minutes Okay, so this is 19 minutes and 28 seconds. Okay, but that's for one yeah. And the the bamboo does a lot of thinking before it will print anything for you. Interesting. So the actual model printing time is 12 minutes and 35 seconds. Oh, interesting. And then it's doing like bed leveling and huh. uh flow calibration and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we do we do 6
1: at a time right now and they are 2 hours and 45 minutes or something like that. 6 at a time? Yeah.
0: Okay. let's see what that is this <laughs> is super this is riveting content i'm <laughs> um, fully in the weeds all right we have a total time of one hour and 14 minutes dang so yeah. yeah less than half yeah that's appealing yeah
1: we have a scheme for another thing that might need to be 3d printed and i think that might push us over the edge because mm. we have to make a few hundred of these things if we oh interesting if we do it what is it or you don't want to um no i can talk about it um it's part of one of our other ones. So we, it's been interesting. I, the conversations about tool management uh huh, have brought up a lot of discussions with other friends. Um, and most notably Avi, our good friend Avi. Yeah. Just, and it's like, these are all very like fundamental issues of storage and like data management. Right. No matter what. Right. Whether it it's tool It could be a tool. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how, like, they carry over from the physical to the data. Like, the the data world very closely reflects the mm-hmm. physical world.
0: Um, right, because the thing you're having trouble with has nothing to do with it being a physical object, right? You, you, no. you could find it on a screen or you could find it on a shelf. yeah. But, but finding some, it is the hard part. Well, yeah, right? and some of
1: the things do. Like, if you're like, okay, I'm going to define... So, like, a lot of the discussion this last week was uh-huh. how much... Actually, we're having this route also with like job naming conventions. How much information are you trying to embed in your number or your your system of your naming convention, whatever that ends up being a number or combination Uh of letters and numbers or whatever? Mm. Um, And the more you constrain that, the more your management system becomes constrained as well. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, so like if you're like, okay, so this this range of numbers is going to represent a thing. Right. Now you have just constrained that to a certain limit, right? If you're like, okay, the t- two digits are going to yep. equate to this level of things. All of a sudden you're limited to 99 units. Problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, that carries over into the physical space. So we're talking about making a new tool rack that's easier to find your tools. Okay. And initially we were like, okay, we're going to dedicate each shelf to a range of numbers. Say Interesting. 200 to 250. Right. But obviously if you start to look at our tool library, our uh, tools hi. are not evenly distributed through all these different
0: numbers. I see the problem.
1: And we're not planning to dedicate specific ho- ho- like pockets mm-hmm. to specific holders because all of a sudden... Then you end up, you know, most of the time the tools are in the machine. So you have right. an empty space and you end up with this massive em- tool rack that's mostly empty for the, the potential of how much, how many tools could be put in it. This is a very classic
0: warehousing problem.
1: Classic warehousing problem. Yeah. Anyway, the scheme we came up with was to have a uh, sliding tool holder pockets on a wall, basically. Hmm. Um so that we can define ranges but they don't have to be fixed so i think the idea right now is we'll also have sliding like indicators that say like, like when you
0: walk out of the elevator at a, on a hotel and there's an arrow that's like these numbers that way yeah exactly yeah.
1: um and so that can get moved if if a certain area yep gets full mm-hmm. um and then the other thing is we're going to organize roughly by you know like whatever small numbers to the left, big numbers to the right. Gotcha. But if you if it fills up, you need to be able to move the stuff over Right. To, if you that's a cool idea. Come in with a two oh six and there's no space between two oh five and two oh seven, you need to slide them all over. And if that's literally taking everyone out of a pocket right. and putting it starts to become a hassle and then people break the system. Yep. So anyway, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, we prototyped it. Oh, cool. Instead of building it from scratch, which was good. Nice. Because there was going to be What's the problems. difference
0: of prototyping versus from scratch?
1: Sorry. Instead of building it all. Oh, like this is what we're going to do. You yeah. just built one. Yeah. Okay. We are. There I did go. not personally. Also, almost none of this was my idea, which was cool. That is cool. Um, Aiden designed, came up with the sliding rack concept. Okay. Um, Coram has a lot of woodworking background. And uh-huh. so he brought the idea of a French cleat system yep. to the table. Um, and then so I say, Wee wee huh wee wee, yeah. and uh quorum prototyped it out of some plastic and angle that we had around, uh-huh, and um discovered some issues, so perfect, it was good, <laughs> good that we did so one win, um we haven't made any more, yeah, and then, like I think right now we have around hundred and fifty tool holders in the shop, okay, and wow, probably we're probably we still haven't done our like audit of what we have yeah. compared to our theoretical needs you're going and seeing yeah mm-hmm. but i'm guessing we're probably gonna need to buy close to another 30 to 50 okay so we're kind of designing the system to hold 200 plus plus. Mm-hmm. and then if we end up needing more than that we'll just build a second one i think gotcha um anyway so that's a lot
0: of little pockets to make so going back to my previous improvement yes you could look at making it out of PVC trim in a CNC because the cycle time would probably be like mm. 10 seconds. Yeah. It's r- yeah. unbelievably fast. Like you basically have to get the machine to move through the air in that shape and you'll end up with the part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close to that. Yeah.
1: It's very fast. Interesting. Yeah. We were yeah. discussing wood, but we didn't want to deal with wood and the mach- cooling. Right. And then we were planning to just machine them out of angle, but yeah. it would... St- aluminum angle uh uh-huh. but it would still be a project so we were discussing maybe 3d printing the pockets and then just the cleat system is easy to just rip on a table saw mm, and right. punch, punch some holes in and stuff but yeah uh anyway we're getting deep into the, d- the actual solutions but yeah this is all being driven by this kind of rethinking of our tool management in order to make finding tools
0: fast and reliable so the target condition is something about retrieval and putting away. Yeah. Retrieval. Uh, yeah. Pro- basically. But then also related to reconfiguring. Yeah. Without a lot of friction. Hmm. That's cool that you recognize that that's a key part of the system. Because I feel like it's easy to just be like, all right, we need to store more tools. Right. Let's do that.
1: Yeah. 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 What is it? Like the fundamental target condition I think is driving towards our like 20 minute changeover goal. But Ooh. we have like yeah. so and much And then this work. is
0: a key part of that is you're realizing tool. Yeah. Knowing what you have and exactly where it is is a big part of that puzzle. Right.
1: There's still a lot of like, I need a 207. Is this a 207? What is no, a 207? Whatever, the tool ID.
0: Okay. Oh, gotcha.
1: I think there's one in that machine. Can I steal it from that machine? Uh, yeah. Let me check the tool list for this next job. Uh, <laughs> sure. You can steal that one. Or there's a lot of like this says it's supposed to be in a shrink fit holder. There's no shrink fit holders available. Can I steal it from this holder? Or can I use? A or also the newest problem that was less of an issue before because we were all quote unquote experts mm-hmm. was just like okay this is a 207. Which tool in that drawer is supposed to go in here? In uh-huh. this holder, and which holder is this supposed to be? yeah uh so anyway trying to remove all that ambiguity and make it so that once you're once you're given the information that says here is a 207 right you have everything you need to retrieve or build that tool as quickly as possible
0: yeah like a pit crew you want to be like a pit crew on your cnc yeah exactly (laughs) interesting Um, Yeah, I can relate. We're trying to achieve a similar thing with our Kanbans generally. Mm -hmm. We're like, if you have a Kanban, back to our question of receiving packages, it occurred to me that right now I'm sort of the only one who can put away. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Because a lot of the supplies we're ordering are like rarely used kind of stuff. Not a lot of them, but enough that. Yeah. Anyway. And there's nothing on the card that says put it here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: realize that the tool tags are basically Kanban cards and if you, Adhere by the rules of Kanban that no tool should travel mm. without a Kanban. Right. Then you're pretty much on the right track.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What isn't Kanban? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Yeah. So did that one. Um, yeah. This is kind of a silly one and a little embarrassing, but real. Um, <laughs> I have been putting my phone far away from me while working yeah and i still i have bluetooth headphones so i still hear like if a call is coming in Mm -hmm. it is annoying not knowing who's calling i will say (laughs) but it's kind of spicy
1: though it's like the old days you're like hello (laughs) totally
0: (laughs) yeah um so that has been really very, very useful in just the quality of work. Not in terms of the output, but in terms of just like my head is in yeah, a, way less distracted. Yeah, so that's been really helpful. Yeah, nice. And I mean, all the research is basically like the distractions, how many you have per hour. Mm-hmm. Like your brain normalizes to that. And mm-hmm. so it's no longer actually interesting and you keep wanting a little bit more. Yeah. Which is not good. Definitely have anecdotal, <laughs> <laughs> <evidence>. anecdotally experienced. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a huge improvement that cost me nothing. Cool. For anyone listening.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I've done that a few, cha- a few times just due to a shortage of chargers in the shop. Oh yeah. And it was very helpful.
0: Yeah. And you're like, oh wow. I'm yeah. just focused on this thing.
1: Yeah, but somehow it's hard to maintain just doing that, which is weird. Like, yeah, I
0: think similarly it's hard to, like, stop doing coke, you know? <laughs> 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 Similar mechanism <laughs> <laughs> in your brain. It's true. It's true.
1: So uh, yeah, maybe I should just think about it like that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a little more motivating. Yeah. But this is this feels pretty fun. <laughs> it <laughs> does. gives you a little dopamine. Hit. Uh, so we brought up our new... CAM tool library numbering scheme last week yep. as a proposal. Mm-hmm. Discussed it with the crew and everyone was pretty gung-ho. So we implemented it. Sorry, CAM numbering. Sorry, tool numbering system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what that ended up looking like, uh, just to get into the weeds for fun, funsies, can't remember if I talked about this part, uh, was we basically gave a two-digit two digit number to each tool holder that we that we currently use there's a lot of spare digits there but we kind of like loosely assigned a range Uh uh-huh um and then we took our current id numbers and added a leading zero to any like side cutting end mill or whatever tool and added a leading one to any plunging tool Hmm. so like drills taps reamers Mm -hmm. etc so we kind of like freed up a lot of potential space and it was a, a simple, clear designation of, like, does it plunge? Yeah, what what type of tool is this going to be? Um. And then basically just uh, renamed it all with, with that new scheme. Pretty quickly realized that, like, there needed to be a dash in there or it was going to be impossible <laughs> to read. Uh-huh. Um, and we're sticking with our SNS designation for Standard now
0: non-standard yeah for okay. whether
1: something should remain built up or not in a holder mm-hmm. as in like always available without having to put it together versus uh-huh. expectation is that you probably have to put this together gotcha Um, one thing that I did come across pretty quick as I was doing it was we had all of these we have a bunch of different holders mm-hmm. but it became clear that in order to not need to break the system often there needed to sort of be a generic option because generic as in like do whatever you want, like dealer's choice kind you know? of. Okay. Yeah. Where oh. we're like, we have like three different styles of ER 32 call it holders. I see what you're saying. And right. so initially I was just like kind of picking one. And then I was like, well, this is pretty quickly going to result in a situation, potential situation where an operator is going to say, okay, well this calls for this holder. We don't, we don't actually have one of those hold, that specific holder right now. So I'm going to have to go break down another tool or or break the system and and make some judgment call myself. Right. So what we kind of decided on was we have a generic ER ER-16 and a generic ER ER-32 that is our worst case scenario holder in terms of like clearance. Cam simulation. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like, it's that for a lot of stuff. And it's like, if it says this, you can pick another one that's also an ER ER-32
0: and it's like, it's going to be fine. That is very uh, clever slash insightful. I feel like um, there's a tendency to make rules, even though you don't like no one's going to follow them. But it's like, oh, we'll make a rule. (laughs) Right. Like, let's standardize this. Yeah. But then recognizing that if you don't follow that rule. Yeah. Like that sucks because now your system is broken. Yeah. So it sort of seems like a cop out to say like, well, let's account for that, but it's actually a very very smart cop out (laughs) because like, there's no reason to not allow the operator to. Yeah. Like, yes, maybe long term you're gonna start specifying it for some reason, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. And yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like it's like doesn't read, it doesn't take away the option, especially as if you're programming a specific part mm-hmm. and you're like it really does matter now? You can change the right. ID number. No, it becomes a new tool. Right. Um and yeah, it allows a lot of freedom to
0: not break the system. So how do you track all of these tools? Like do you just I, I would imagine you'd end up with a list that's like ten thousand items long. It's not that big. No. Like all the tools times all of the holders
1: um, it's not all the tools times all the holders each one is has specific right now so like for example a whatever a 19 -0 207s yeah that's a specific tool that lives in a holder on
0: the shelf right and there's not a variant okay hmm okay so it's not become any sort of problem not as of yet cool
1: yeah there's like significant sort of uh I mean so like pressure to not build it any, to it takes a little bit of effort to like go through the process of
0: creating a new one i see so you're not okay got it i misunderstood so if you do want to specify everything about it does that get a new number or that might just be a, a one-off for a particular job mm, let's see every tool that's in there
1: is fully specified yeah um but there's not like a like every quarter inch drill doesn't have a variant with each holder pre-specified
0: okay so what would happen if you wanted one in a different holder would you create that or would you just yeah i think so or
1: if it was a non-standard maybe just edit it in that particular instance so it's like they that would fall under the like yellow tag system i see which is like you got to read this regardless and you're building it up from scratch regardless i see so it kind of doesn't interesting hopefully that's very cool We're still very much in process of figuring this all out
0: yeah, I've been thinking a lot about um r- like system optimization and flexibility. Yeah. And it's such a tough thing. It is. I think I'm like like I, I really th- like what you did with the tool tags, I think. Which part? Sorry, well, generally, but uh, like the tool numbering just saying like wait a second, it doesn't actually matter. Like let's just give it a code. Uh-huh. And that gives us infinite adjustable, I mean not infinite actually, but Right it gives you a lot of adjustability it's like you're talking about with your shelf your tool storage shelf like mm-hmm. the second you create a rigid system it's difficult then to break it yeah i don't know yeah i'm really grappling with that around the automation stuff like having put mm. two new parts on the gripper i am frankly uh um amazed that you've run the number of parts you have on because <laughs> like as a job i was thinking about it like in terms of like a job shop uh-huh. i'd be like oh god <laughs> i should program <laughs> another part on it uh-huh. granted these were non-standard parts but still so like a, a standardized system it's very tempting i don't know it's it's daunting yeah. to come up with yeah a lot of the conversations that are flexible but yeah. standard I'm
1: very much, I think, knee-jerk erroring towards the flexibility side yeah, and the uh, not over-constrained side. Yeah, had a lot of conversations this last week about uh, kind of like how much information it makes sense to embed in that because there are very real benefits to having...
0: Like at a glance, you have a sense of what it is.
1: Yeah, like this number is gobbledygook if you don't yeah. have a reference. Mm-hmm. So there is a strong argument for having each one of those digits, like recognize something that's human readable and not right. have to go to a reference sheet Yeah, to build up this thing. Um, but also that system breaks quickly.
0: Is this an uh, air table?
1: Um, right, are you storing the- right now it's just in cam. Okay. Um, we're editing our posts. So all the critical information comes out in the yeah. tool, like the header so it's there accessible. Uh huh. Um, and then the long term, medium term, I'd like to say short term, but that's not realistic. Yeah. The medium term thought is I, apparently Fusion has a decent API. Okay. And so I think we're going to be able to link Airtable to the Fusion library and have it oh, cool. stay updated so it's more accessible. Very cool. Um, and that will be pretty helpful in hopefully making it so that we're printing all of our tags. Instead mm. of handwriting them. Yes. And also printing tool storage, all that stuff. Yeah. Because the prospect of doing this re-update is, it's not a lot, it's not a small amount of work.
0: No, that yeah. does sound daunting. Yeah. Nice. Um, I built a new assembly table La, la. for, I'm all, I'm all in on Maker Pipe yeah (laughs) um we got a pipe cutter for it like just a plumbing pipe cutter yeah makes all the difference nice it's just so much faster now that like building new stuff is wait what oh
1: just like the spinny style
0: yep 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 um before that we were bandsawing them and then deburring them and Mm. it was a real hassle yeah um it's amazing as you drive down the friction of doing things just just what a change that creates in your behavior are you using
1: steel or aluminum emt Steel,
0: yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so that's been really really nice. Um, I made Kanbons for the different joints, oh, cool, and Maker Pipe. Um, so we're just gonna have a lot of it available, and the goal is to build a lot of stuff and just forget about the price and just do it, yeah, so we can start experimenting more. Cool, um, yeah, so built a new assembly table. Um, I was realizing that with the belt hitting production it was all sort of scattered around like what we are our existing setup like i I had and i was like this is verging on chaos like you talked about last episode the uh, the mental model of like a hoarder's house Uh (laughs) it was really you know those like those times when you're like okay i am cutting corners like when you're working on a really dirty um or like messy workbench yeah and at some point, you should really stop and clean it up yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, you're gonna like knock your drill to the floor, <laughs> break your drill. Um, so it was one of those parts were all over the place, um, and I just realized like to actually launch this successfully and at a high, you know, production rate and making sure our quality doesn't slip, we just needed a designated spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I built a new table. Probably took about I don't know 30, 40 minutes. Oh, that's pretty fast. Um, yeah, it was very quick. Um, and it was the size we wanted and what are you using for the top <laughs> Um, just plywood yeah from uh, there, oh, I have a ton of cabinet doors from a house someone renovated <laughs> <laughs> and it's pre-painted uh-huh. um, it's just funny because they don't always fit exactly yeah. but it's like eh, that'll work gotcha yep
1: Yeah. that's the one thing I was like what are you keeping on hand for actual tabletop not enough
0: uh, we're, we just ran out today and mm. uh of useful stuff and so we got halfway through building a shelf which is really annoying yeah but yeah it's expensive
1: and uh, annoying to and plywood? then you're like yeah should yeah.
0: i cut it should i just use a scrap that doesn't really fit <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of that
1: maybe this is where the pvc comes back in
0: yeah it's not yeah <laughs> for big it's like very floppy oh. in a weird weirdly yeah it's not very rigid um yeah, it's a thought also let's see 50 bucks for seven by 12 so that would be oh yeah i don't think it's more surface area mm. <clears throat> per dollar per dollar yeah yeah interesting i was just thinking easy to cut yeah no
1: for sure interesting um cool so one this has been a big big push this last week it was kind of like on the list for quite a while But, um, we made some big strides this last week, which was, uh, we ran our first, well, this isn't entirely true in the modern era, I should say. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We ran our first program in a machine in our shop that was not programmed or set up by me in any way. Whoa. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Damn. The, the caveat being that when my friend john worked with us several years ago like one day a week okay he did a bunch of lathe programming right so maybe that the, actually the way to say this is the first mill program
0: in our shop that yeah but also that was a very different it was a different whole different yeah and this scheme. unlocks a lot more things for you
1: this unlocks that a lot yeah it's wow a, it's a big deal that's um, huge and <clears throat> yeah so i had kind of like sicked quorum on learning it and it was clearly very overwhelming Uh and it was hard to come up with like a reasonable project yeah um and we were about to run a bunch more soft jaws and aiden aiden had designed a variant for taking our standard ksc soft jaw and modifying it to mount to the ksp vices so can it run
0: either one or no no it's
1: dedicated but it has the same footprint gotcha um and I was like, we need to make those anyway. That'd be a great project. Um, so Aiden has quite a bit of CAD Cam experience. And so he basically walked through um, programming that with Quorum, and it was a great test piece. Wow. Um, and then they switched, and Quorum did most of the work, and they ran a customer part, which was a big deal. Wow. That, that was today. So that's huge. It was a huge deal. Wow. Actually, two customer parts. That is a game changer. Quorum did one and Aiden did one. Uh, Or Aiden Aiden was proofing his out when I left today. So you
0: shopping for vacation homes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch the money roll in.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, but it's a massive... That is huge. Massive thing. Um, And definitely like the whole pace in the shop has slowed down a little bit as understandably due to, you know, two people basically being like occupied with training.
0: The pace of running parts yeah yeah but uh 100 okay with that it's
1: like man such a that was is a big lift that really. is a
0: huge unlock i yeah. feel like
1: yeah so i'm very excited we, we have a lot to figure out now about well a i have to learn to use fusion because i don't use it uh-huh. currently um and i'm a i'm a little concerned about like you know when you're like good at one sport and then you try another sport and you hurt yourself because you're like fit, but you don't actually know how to do the thing. Okay. This used to happen to me a lot when I was like cycling a lot oh, and yeah. then I'd like go play soccer and I'd have the fitness, but I didn't <laughs> have like the muscles for running. And then I wouldn't be able to walk for like three days. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm going to do the same thing in fusion and be like, I know how to do this. And then just like break everything completely. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, one task I gave Aiden was to write an SOP because he built all the templates out for like, Oh, how to, how to. Yeah copy and paste and do the thing so i don't destroy it, everything that is
0: smart i feel like also you're going to experience the very substantial like the same problem of going from a one-person shop to a multi-person shop of suddenly you can't just rely on you knowing how to use all the files because yeah. it's like maybe you didn't make them or you knowing yeah there's what, been a lot of that already. yeah what yeah. data in the tool library is correct and what you sort of need to yeah yeah, all that, and
1: also just how we're going to handle handoffs of like who's responsible for what. Mm-hmm. If we get to a point where like there's actually three of us who can be programming, and we need to figure out who's tackling what, you know, part of it. Right now, it's basically been like I program, I hand it off to the shop floor, they set up and mm-hmm. run parts. So now we're all going to be either either one person is going to or two people will continue to be primarily programmers. Yeah. And, but I'd like to have more. I'd like to have us all kind of looping through all the processes a bit more. Yeah. That, so we have to figure out how we're going to actually. That's cool. Get visibility into that assignment that's, system. That's so cool. Yeah. And part of that was uh, Aiden did a bunch of research and picked up another CAD CAM computer. Okay. So now we have another dedicated. Oh, what did you get? I don't know. Well, maybe. Is an Asus gaming laptop. Okay. I'm not sure the specific one. Oh, cool. Seems to be good. Mm. from what i understand so far nice yeah
0: yeah wow that's huge huge deal that's huge yeah um to contrast that (laughs) i got a new screwdriver (laughs) very nice (laughs) thank you (laughs) um yeah i got a like a driver for assembling the belts yeah uh it is i forget who makes it um i saw henry holsters posted one so i was like well it's probably a decent brand this is a hand Um,
1: screwdriver or a drill like a power drill driver
0: it's, it's plugged in okay and what i didn't really realize is just how okay the torque is the torque setting is so good oh like it runs it to a torque and then stops yeah um when i say so good it is so much better than like a drill you know you can sort of set the it clutch. but it really depends yeah. on the inertia mm. i don't know there's a lot of variability there and like n- unsurprisingly but something i hadn't really like consciously thought through is just how good it can be mm. um so yeah this is a solved problem so it's basically a nut runner it's a nut runner for screws yeah 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 and it was like 50 bucks or something wow used on ebay cool um yeah, I and mean, one of those industrial things where it's, like, it's beat up, but uh-huh. they're designed to run all day, every day for years and years, right. and we're going to run it, like, <laughs> cumulatively of like, five minutes a day. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think it will last us for quite some time. Nice. Um,
1: cool. Yeah. And it's uh, adjustable torque? not a Adjustable
0: torque, uh, you know, within a range. Yeah. Um, the one thing it doesn't do, so I'm 3D printing something that I'm hoping will fix this, um, we are using stainless fasteners and so you can't magnet them on. Oh. And so what I found after buying it is that some of them have a little vacuum essentially. Oh, wow. um, and so I'm just gonna, and it's literally a shroud that goes around the screw oh. to hold it in. So I'm just going to 3D print one and I think that should work. Gotcha. Um yeah. What generates the vacuum? Um I'll just run it off of a venturi oh, vac- gotcha, vacuum gotcha. generator. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Back in the day, we used to use just like a torque limiting screwdriver for fixture clamps. Yeah. But it was not powered.
0: <laughs> not nearly as cool. Not powered as in you were manually twisting it. It was oh, just a screwdriver, a but it had a
1: torque mechanism. release. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It, I mean, it was better than not. Yeah. But yeah, still a lot of work. Cool. Yes. Um, now that we have multiple programmers, yeehaw. Yeah, uh, quickly realized that we are going to need to have some visibility into who programmed a very good point a job uh, when someone has an issue with it or needs to make tweaks. Um, so I just added a programmed by column on our work order slip. Nice, s- so that you can write your name down if you did it and moved it along on the job board. Yeah, yeah, simple.
0: That is smart.
1: Yeah, we're sort of we had a discussion this morning I think we're gonna I think the initial move is that as the as Aiden and Corum both learn and get more comfortable um, initially I think they're gonna probably set up and run their own parts because I think that feedback loop is really important right of seeing, totally. seeing what your programming did mm-hmm. and it kind of experiencing that but in the longer term I'm pretty dedicated to the Concept of anyone can run, anyone can run, but also that, like, the handoff process teaches us a lot, and not that we want to right. be doing yes. that
0: work forever. So right now you're solving the, like, they will learn a lot from actually seeing what they programmed and then seeing the issues. Yeah. But then you can become complacent in holding that information in your head. Yeah. Or like of a particular part that might not work. And so you should slow down the feed or.
1: Yeah. And even just like the small stuff of like making these post edits for our headers and like how much information we embed in that, Uh which we would never have done if one person were setting up their own work, probably.
0: Interesting
1: um, And so it's not that I definitely don't want to like be hand typing in this stuff forever. yeah, but the fact that we have to do it all the time is a, uh, is highly motivating to in improve the process. yeah um, And so I think maintaining that system of handoffs is gonna hopefully over the long term get us to a point where that becomes mostly automated and then we have a really robust system that stores our information is well documented and also is like easy easy for anybody in the shop to run and then the second part of it was that um (coughs) i have heard and i think it makes a lot of sense to me that one of the best ways to learn programming is just having access to fusion and seeing like what other people have done and making little edits yeah so i think as we switch back to them handing off programs to set up other people to set up, uh, starting to hand off the little tweaks that need to be made mm-hmm. to other individuals will be a good way for people coming into the shop to start to learn how fusion functions or how cam functions, yeah. um, and how to adjust things. And I think that will be a much simpler way to sort of get your feet wet versus this, what we did with Corum, which was basically like fire hose in the face, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, huh. <laughs> Uh so that's my other motivation and then kind of lastly is like if you are carrying a project if you're a project owner there's not a lot of flexibility in your timeline in like yeah that's that seems pretty clear so like uh maintaining the ability for different people to do different parts of the process i think we'll be able to keep the processes parallel better uh-huh that makes sense um yeah anyway that's my thinking right now very cool I want to stick with that for a while.
0: Yeah. There's a lot to, I uh, mean, that's a huge change. So I feel like, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot, a lot of learning there, a lot of learning and some growing pains. I'm sure that's very exciting. Yeah. Massively. Um, okay. So when I set a block, we were getting all these rejects for a long time. Yeah. When you set a block down with the automation, the gripper opens that when the gripper opens it doesn't necessarily just release the part if there's like coolant it can stick a little bit more to one finger than the other finger Mm -hmm. or when you pick up out of a tray you're when you grip with a you know parallel gripper you're only centering it in that one axis you're not the other way so when you set it down in the vice there's some variability in exactly where it ends up yeah we we're getting a lot of rejects—not a lot, but some rejects—for that reason. And so we ended up; it was consistently off one direction, and so now we sort of nudge it back to center mm-hmm. before clamping. Um, so I did that with the belt in reprogramming it, doing that nudge. But then I found it was not consistent which way it was off hmm. because I cut it really tight on like the part in the material. Oh, and so any play just threw it off um and so then i was going to do a double nudge where it nudges it to center from one direction <laughs> and then nudges it to the from the other and i was like that's sort of a waste so what i ended up doing was programming it to set it down off center uh. one way and then just nudge it to center oh, so genius. it's one move so now i think we'll probably <laughs> propagate that across yeah to the rest of them because anyway have you
1: tried just clamping before you let go i'm not sure what you mean clamping with the vice before you let go with the gripper
0: um have I tried that? I don't think I have. Oh, we do that. Oh, interesting. Sometimes it works. It works. Hmm. I like that. I'm trying to think. I feel like I had a reason. I didn't want, I think I didn't want the gripper to be fighting the vice. But now that I say that, I'm normally gripping it orthogonally. Not orthogonal like 90 degrees Paral- to the axis perpendicularly. of the vice. Yeah. 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 So that would, yeah, that's a great option. Um, I like how sneaky your option is. No, but yours is much better. <laughs> Why create the problem and then solve it? <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. Um, yeah. So maybe I didn't make an improvement, but. We often,
1: uh, well, this might not work for you, but we often have smooth jaws so or smooth gripper fingers so the part could slide. Yep. And we'll uh, not grip all the way at the bottom of the blank and then we'll overfeed. Oh, interesting. So that there's actually a little bit of pressure.
0: That's funny. I've been avoiding that because I don't want to wear out our gripper fingers. Which is reasonable. But now that we're 3D printing them.
1: But also you make a lot more parts than us. Yeah. With gripper stuff. So the wear might be a more real. And a lot of our fingers are aluminum. Yeah. Um, in either case, mm. it is. There, it may generate other issues, but it reliably puts the part all the way down. And, yeah. And no, reliably I like that. grips
0: the part. And then, y- yeah. Um, something else that's actually related And I could see using them in conjunction I needed to have pretty skinny little tips On the th- on the fingers mm-hmm. To get the stock tight together oh. 3D printing is not great for that And so I just 3D printed in some bores And then we just press a stainless pin in Which we manufacture a ton of <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, So just press two pins in either side uh-huh. uh, To stiffen it up um, you could conceivably expose one face of those pins oh, to so get a high wear yeah. surface uh-huh. very easily. I think. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. I'll report back. Cool. I probably won't because it's working. For <laughs> <laughs> um, <but> one day. <laughs> I like that. So you overfeed and then you clamp with the vice while holding it. Yeah. For up one. Yeah. Not for up two. Yeah not too is a bit of a dance it is a dance yeah (laughs) um i highly recommend if you haven't already in your standardized tooling make yourself a rubber hose tool (laughs) yeah the pushy the (laughs) the pushy tool (laughs) the the pushy (laughs) 9000 yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty awesome you'd be surprised how frequently a little compliant finger in your tool in your cnc that is a great actually handy interesting oh actually i program when i was hand loading the pneumatic vice yeah i programmed it to come push on it oh. while it was loading like in the yeah. manual pass through uh-huh. i just built it in because it was annoying to like press it down and shut the vice at the same time
1: oh huh. yeah interesting uh, yeah i have a a topic up on our like questions board of how can we run more parts with our gripper system mm. and running op to reliably is a big part of that question, yeah um, and that might be a a decent part of the solution, yeah realistically, yeah because the the load handoff is
0: often the hardest part
1: the load handoff yeah, for our gripper to vice
0: for Op two gotcha the other thing I've been contemplating which. I would still like to do because it would save on time. But Uh for you, it would just be... Well, anyway, is to build in some bores that take uh, some sort of like... I'm sure there's like rubber bumpers. Mm. So I could just modify... Like add a rubber bumper to the gripper fingers. Oh, yeah. And then you just... Open and overfeed or not even open and just like press it into the vice. Yeah. Um, Shunk makes some products that give you like XY play yeah. um, on your gripper for exactly this problem. Sure. Um, they're like $1,600. But the funny <laughs> part to me is that if you look at how they're built, it's just um, some rubber bumpers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's rubber with some attention to like which axes are free to move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, our, one of our biggest issues, I think, has just been that uh, the fingers are relatively smooth. And a lot of our parts are not symmetrical. Yeah. And so they're not weighted symmetrically. And so yep. when you pick them up, they'll tip. And then when you try and lower them, they're not in line with the pocket. Yeah,
0: so something else I just actually added that I didn't, didn't put on the list, um, but would solve that problem too, is... I took an angle grinder and I <laughs> modified the inside of the fingers to add notches where they were grabbing the top hat, uh. and that worked beautifully because I was having a, this a similar issue. Mm. Um, and so now we're three D printing that into our fingers. Interesting. And so I'm actually more generally thinking about adding texture in that axis. Yeah. On the gripper fingers, I have it on the flip station where I have grooves. Oh. To grab the sides of the yeah hat, and um i always rough the edges use the roughing mill on the edges of the top hat that mm-hmm. will be grabbed by the flip station so it is texturized in a parallel so like it's, yeah. it's quite good and actually on the belt um i had to do something a little different for the flip that i wasn't sure would work which is i'm feeding it way off center uh anyway it's, it's like a little weird the way it does the flip on it uh-huh. but um, so, the part is cantilevered way out of the oh, gripper. Yeah. And it works great. <coughs> and these are much bigger parts than I've been running. So, it's sort of like pushing the, the uh, limits of your system. I don't think it's pushing the limits, but it's definitely like I think a lot of what I was doing was like so ideal for spindle yeah. gripping. Yeah. In that, if you drop a part, it's not going to wreck the machine. Like, it's not going to wreck your like way covers or anything. They're, they They're wash so out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <they> wa- <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, it's been interesting. Mm. doing bigger stuff yeah totally um i have oh i did write it down the new flip method Uh uh-huh um that was that uh which i kind of covered and then lastly something we don't do on this podcast very much yeah that mm, i don't know write us let us know if this would be interesting is just sort of uh updates on improvements we've made Uh uh-huh like we're always talking about ones we're making sure and what we're thinking on them uh I mentioned putting up a shelf for all the paint. Yeah. So it was, I was reflecting on the fact that the paint department is much more organized because it's so much easier to put the paint back now that paints just end up going back. It's not a struggle. It's not like a thing we have to clean up intermittently. Like it Mm. used to be that the bottles would sort of accumulate where they get mixed because you know, you take them out and then putting them away was annoying. Um, Yeah. And it's interesting, like, again, reducing friction, like it is now the lowest friction option is to do it right, which is so ideal because (laughs) it's not doesn't rely on discipline (laughs) or any of the rest. Like, why would you backslide if it's the easiest option? Yeah,
1: that is definitely key to all of these systems. Yeah. Like make the easy, make the right way the easy way. Yeah. Or or make the wrong way really, really hard. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, but i guess better that's the former
0: it's <laughs> way better that's like adding fences to keep people from walking across your lawn yeah instead of like oh this is where people want to walk let's put a path right there uh-huh. and then no one will walk <laughs> off of the path yeah <laughs> um yeah i feel like that that might be a good place to end on that note yeah definitely make the right way the easiest way yeah <laughs> it's gonna be my life motto buy some bricks make
1: some paths yeah make your life wonderful
0: yeah, I guess.
1: <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. That was a long one. Um, thanks for listening. And go do some cool improvements. Tell us about them. Tag us. Yeah. Good oh, stuff.
0: We never got back to um, a bunch of people wrote us emails. Oh, yeah. It was really fun reading them. I think we mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, most of the people who wrote us were not machinists, but that was sort of what we asked for. Yeah. Um, so, but it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, keep writing us. Love hearing from you guys. Ideas, just even what you do, photos of your improvements and yeah shop space are really fun. It's true. Some of those photos made us feel very insecure. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh boy, got a lot of work to do. <laughs> That's really organized. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: <laughs> uh, anyhow, you can find me on the internet at lichenprecision.com, on Instagram at lichen
0: underscore MFG. And you can find me at austeremfg.com and austere underscore manufacturing on Instagram. You can find the podcast at incremental CI. Uh, also, we have a Patreon. Patronize mm-hmm. us, please. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you get value from this, please consider joining. There's a lurker uh, tier at $1 a month. If you think that's an amount of value. one or two? One. Wow, that's really, really lurk. It's really affordable lurking. <laughs> um, yeah, great value. If you <laughs> consider what your data
1: costs you on other companies, it's like the cheapest lurking <laughs> no, option. <laughs> that, yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure.
1: Um, yeah. Cool. We'll talk to you soon.